Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on J-Root Radio. We are on here, we are on J-Root Radio Live today on Wednesday afternoon. Okay, we're live, July 22nd, that's what it is. Vav Av Tavshin Ayin Hey. The numbers to the station, let's give it to you first and then we'll begin, we'll go on straight to our class. The studio number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's if you'd like to call in to ask any questions live. If you don't want to ask live, you can still call that number after 3 o'clock at the end of the show. We'll be here for a few more minutes. Actually, we'll be here for a little bit today. We're, we're around anyway. We'll answer any questions. To text in your question or comment, 347-927-8398. We have with us of Nassan over here who's going to help us today, hopefully. Answer the, the phone calls and everything else. To listen online, jrootradio.com, J-R-O-O-T-R-A-D-I-O.com. You can also listen on the J-Root Radio Pro app. The halakhot today, and again, it's seasonal, which means we talk about the current events, the halakhot of the current events of the Muhadim. The halakhot today will be about what's coming up this Shabbat and Sunday, which is the Tisha B'Av, I guess, weekend. Tisha B'Av will be on Shabbat, and we obviously cannot fast on Shabbat, so it's pushed over to Sunday. We'll discuss all the details, especially in this year, the special year, where the halachot will have a little bit of a difference from usual years. We'll talk about them, but first, 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 we need to discuss the times, as the most common question we get usually on Tisha B'Av is, what time is the fast and what time is it over? The times are as follows, Rabotai, pay attention. Sunday is the fast, but... Like Yom Kippur, Tanit of Tisha B'Av starts from the evening beforehand. And the evening is going to be Motzei Shabbat. Shekiah sunset is at 8.18 p.m. 8.18 p.m. Some calendars will say 8.17 p.m. Okay, whatever it is. 8.18 p.m. That's when the fast begins. And the Halakhab says one cannot fast on Shabbat, even for one minute on Shabbat, cannot fast. So therefore, make sure that you don't have to necessarily eat, you know, till Shekiah, but that the fast officially cannot begin till 818. It means to say you accept upon yourself the fast is only after Shekiah 818. The times for Sunday, which is the fast of the Shabbat, of will be Asarabi really. Hatzot is at 1.02 p.m. As the fast gets a little bit lighter after that time, one could sit on a regular chair after Hatzot, they could prepare ready for the Sauda, and there's other leniencies as we'll talk about if we get time. If we have time, we'll talk about them. It's at 1.02 p.m. And the fast is over on Sunday night. We always come up with three categories. It is Dirabanan, the fast of the Shabiab, although it's been the breakup lot, still categorized as Dirabanan. And therefore, we're a little bit more lenient. One does not have to wait on Benutam necessarily. Again, if you're makpid, you're very insistent on Rabbeinu Tam and everything that you do, then you could wait Rabbeinu Tam, but we personally don't hold that you have an obligation to wait Rabbeinu Tam. So therefore, Shekiah is at 817 and we've made three levels. Level number one is for those who are weak, who are old, and as we'll see, for those pregnant women who are fasting, they can be lenient and break the fast already after 25 minutes after Shekau, which will be 8.42. Regular average time is 40 minutes. What's recommended, the best time, is to wait 51 minutes after Shekau, which will be 9.08. These are the times. Ba'azat Hashem. 
we are going to talk about all the details of the halachot, who must fast, who is not, who's, who's uh, patur from fasting, and all the details that one needs to know on Tisha And again, like we said, especially for this year. So make sure you pay attention and you follow us. I would like to just publicly give a thank you to this person who texts every single week a, a thank you and that he's listening and they're listening on. It's a very nice compliment. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Okay. Let's begin with Shabbat because really every year we have the last meal before the fast known as Saudat Hamafseket. And therefore, we will begin with the Halachot Saudat Hamafseket. This year that Saudat Hamafseket is on Shabbat, therefore, we find the Halachan Shulchan Aruch that summarizes everything. Let's listen to the words of Maran, Shulchan Aruch. And he says like this, If the Shabbat falls out on Sunday or falls out on Shabbat, but it's pushed to over till Sunday as we have this year, you could even eat meat and wine in your Sadat HaMafsekit. Which, because you know, usually, you only have one cooked dish, you have to eat it separately, you have to eat it on the floor with ashes, bread dipped in ashes, and all the um, very, very depressing meal, basically. But here that it fell out on Shabbat, you could even eat meat and wine, right? And this year, especially, it's Tisha B'Av. Imagine, you could tell somebody, on Tisha B'Av, I ate meat and I drank wine. You could even set up your table, put so much food on your table, like the way Shlomo HaMelech used to have when he was a king, all the food as the Gemara talks about, he was able to feed hundreds of people from his table. You could do that on Tisha B'Av. No problem. Why? It's Shabbat. There is no morning on Shabbat. However, the Ramah points out, make sure you stop before sunset. Meaning to say, like we said, by sunset the fast begins. You cannot go over sunset, the fast must begin then. And that really, Rabotai, summarizes everything. We have no issues of Erev Tisha B'Av. There's one small point we'll talk about in a second. We have no issues of Erev Tisha B'Av. We have no issues of Saudat HaMafsekid this year. As the Sfaradim we mentioned last week, don't have an issue of Shabbat Shahabo either. So, one recommendation is we always give, especially for those, I don't know, but those, but for me, I always recommend that everybody should be should have a lot of fluids in their body. Drink Gatorade. Don't worry about food coloring for one day. Drink Gatorade. Gatorade has, has electrolytes and you could get the white color and that doesn't have so much food coloring and has sugar, yes, but it'll stay in your body longer than water. It's not just a commercial. It's really true. Sports players, athletes, everybody uses it. Drink a lot of Gatorade. Also, before Gatorade came to the scene, before it was, uh, has a hechsher, there was, what? Watermelon. Watermelon, also I found it, well, I don't know how, but watermelon and tea quenches my thirst and it keeps me fine as far as liquid is concerned. Sometimes we'll have an exception, but Rabotai, these are recommendations. There's no Shohan Aruch on it, there's no Rama, but these are recommendations. Stay very, very hydrated, especially with the, having a few hot days recently. And of course, if you're a person that usually has a hard time with the fast, just do the minimum that you have to do in shul. Go pray and come back. Sit in the house in an air-conditioned room. Sometimes the shul is better for you because it's air-conditioned over there. Rest up. Don't do too much activity, especially that falls out on Sunday this year. It's a little bit easier. <coughs> Next, let's get to the halakhot of Tisha B'Av. There are two things that we're going to 
keep on bouncing back and forth on as we talk. The laws, the regular laws of Chotesh Abayav, which apply as they do every single year. But being that this year, Chotesh falls out on Shabbat, and it's pushed to Sunday, there are a few changes. It's not major changes. A lot of people are asking, oh, it's Nidha, it's Nidha, it's Nidha. It's not so much changes. I'll talk about it more later, but I just want to quote to you, Rashba. Shoot HaRashba in Halak Aleph, Siman Taf Kuf Chaf, 520. The Tzitz brings this Rashba. The Rashba says over there that, you know, we have a concept usually if it's Nidha, if it's pushed away, it's a little bit more lenient. Lemashal. When we have Ta'anit Esther on... Um, supposed to be really supposed to be on Friday or Shabbat really because Purim is afterwards. So we push away Tanita set to Thursday because we can't fast on Shabbat or Friday. So it's Nidha. So it's a little bit more lenient. We find Halakha is a bit more lenient. We find this in, in other places also like we just had by Shabbat Sabbat Tammuz. By Av, when it's Nidha that Rashbat says Hidush, he says Nidha is not a leniency but Nidha is the way the Hakamim instituted it, which means its time is supposed to be Sunday. We push it to Sunday, but that's how the Hakamim instituted it. So it shouldn't have like a lynching because it's on the wrong date. It's not the wrong date. That is the correct date because Hakamim put it there. That's the opinion of the Rashba. It has a lot of supports also. This, these words of the Rashba are supported by other Rishonim as well, not exactly the same idea, but we'll talk about it later on. Okay, let's now come back to this halachot, these halachot. The tour quoting the Gemara Masechet Ta'anit begins the halachot of the Shabbat with the following words. Here's the Gemara. Tanu Rabbanan, kol ha-mitzvot ha-nohagot be-abel, nohagot be-tashabe-ab. Achamim Toras, Abraita says, all the laws, all the mitzvot that apply to a person who is mourning, apply also to all Jews on the Shabbat because it's a national mourning. Asur, for example, but there's a little bit more by Tisha B'Av, as we'll see. Asur ba'achilau b'shtiya, mourner could eat. However, us on Tisha B'Av, we cannot eat and drink. And the rest of the things apply by both an avel and a us on Tisha B'Av. What are they? Rehitza, washing, sicha, anointing, na'ilata sandal, Putting on leather shoes, tashmisha mita, and relations. All these arbotai will be discussed and hopefully will give you a clarity that all the questions will be answered. In case we don't answer the questions, please, please, after I talk about it, please make sure either you text me, I'm looking at the text right next to me, and or you call. And certainly if you don't have a chance, call me after the show if you have a specific case and we'll be more than happy to... Um, Clarify if we have the answer, Brazat Hashem. The things are forbidden on Tisha B'Av, besides the five that we just mentioned. There's also learning Torah. And there's a few other customs or conducts that we do on Tisha B'Av. We'll talk about all these, Brazat Hashem. We'll begin first with learning Torah. As an introduction to all these halachot, I don't have time to go into a big mashah, but let's go straight to the point. You should know. The halachot that we're about to speak about, we have to do them anyway fasting and, and not eating and uh, we've been doing music and, and or whatever it is. Please, Abotai, you're doing it anyway. Don't come with a very groany attitude. I mean to say, Akadosh Baruch Hu's house has been destroyed. I 
hope nobody listening has ever had the experience of having to be kicked out of his house. For a few people that I do know were not exactly kicked out of the house, but they're own, they're renting, and they're and they've been renting for a long time, many many years. They already have a neighborhood, and they know everybody on the block. And now the owner comes to them and says, "I'm selling the house. You have a month or two to get out." Okay, that feeling is horrible. You have to go look for another place. What will be in the other place? Sometimes people have to move their parents or their in-laws and they're there for a while. And if you know anybody, we all know the feeling. Trying to find a house and go, oh my gosh, what's this? And who's going to be the neighbor? And it's moving everything. But at least you're living somewhere. Imagine a person has been kicked out of the house and he has nowhere to go. That's how we are to understand the Hurban Bet HaMikdash. Hashem was was kicked out of the Beit HaMikdash. He has no home. There's only one neighborhood Hashem wants to live in, and that's Yerushalayim, with Jews keeping the Torah. Yes, Hashem is in Shammai. He was always in Shammai, but Hashem's takhlit was that he should live down here together with everybody. So that Hashem, our Father, Hashem that we do, Hashem that we come to when we're in trouble, and we should come to even when we're not in trouble. Hashem that we're trying to make a connection with Him through our whole lives, that we rely on Him, we depend on Him, we ask Him for everything, or we, at least we should ask Him for everything, and we're coming up to Rosh Hashanah, and we're all going to beg over there that please give us a good year, please save us from any bad things. That's the same Hashem who is homeless, who doesn't have a home. If I was here right now, telling you about a person, a family, or even a single person who is living on the streets, he's homeless, I guarantee you everybody's heart will break and everybody will contribute something. Our Father Hashem does not ask that you should contribute so much. He does want to come back, but that depends on you. That depends on us if we want Him to come back. But that we should mourn, that we should feel bad. Hashem asks that you should, shouldn't forget about it. At least... One day a year, feel it or pretend that you're feeling it. And therefore, the halachot of Tisha B'Av are binding on every single Jew. We cannot eat. We cannot drink. We can, we, it is a depressing day. We have to sit on the floor, sit away from each other. We can't say hellos like we normally do. And we can't be really upbeat and we can't do fun things. No, we cannot. Why? We're mourning. You don't feel it or you feel it. You're supposed to try to feel it. And the worst thing, though, is that if you're doing it anyway... To do it in a very, you know, grudgy and mourning way. Uh, your attitude is an attitude that, oh, I have to do this now. Oh, come on, Rabbi. You don't mean it's Asur. Oh, come on. Have it. Have Rahmanut on me. No, no, no. We have to have Rahmanut on ourselves. We have to have a little bit of Rahmanut. We have to have a little bit of sensitivity of what we lost. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is homeless. It's a better way to put it than Beit HaMikdash is destroyed because we don't feel it necessarily. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is homeless. He's not here with us in the house. So we're doing it anyway. Our attitude is as important as our actions. And it doesn't mean that if you don't have the proper attitude, you shouldn't do it. No, you're going to have to do it anyway. But at least come in with the proper attitude, understand the seriousness of the day. Let's begin with the halachot of learning Torah. Learning Torah is forbidden on Tisha B'Av. The Ramah quotes in the Maharil, who is on the Rishonim, that really, Arab Tisha B'Av, you should not be able to learn any Torah that's happy. You should only be able to learn Torah that's sad, like the Gemarot and Masechet Gitin that talk about the Hurban Bayit Sheni or the Hurban Bayit Rishon, Midrashim in Echa, Sefer Echa, Sefer Yirmiya, Iyob, anything that's sad, that you can learn. You cannot learn your regular learning. That's Ramah 
in the name of the Maharil for Arab Tishabab. However, almost all Ahronim, a lot of the, I don't say all, but a lot of the Ahronim disagreed, especially when Arab Tishabab is on Shabbat, they hold, you can learn, there's no problem if the conclusion is like this. Listen, we find that people are saying, listen, I can't learn different from my regular schedule. And therefore, they're not going to learn at all. No, it's better that a person should learn his regular learning Torah, even after Hatzot, with not a problem. If a person is not going to learn at all, then of course he has to learn. But if a person could learn the sad things without being mitpatel from his Torah, or even weaken his regular Torah learning, then, of course, we tell him, learn the sad things. And that's the maskana. Really, this Shabbat, a person can learn whatever he wants. It's better if you could try to learn things that are pertaining to Tushabe'ab or sad things, but if you cannot, then you can learn whatever you want. Certainly, all shuls should continue their regular schedule of classes on Shabbat, even if they have nothing to teach about Tushabe'ab. They should not cancel classes just because of this halakha. Now, a person should be lenient. Betul Torah de Rabim. A lot of poskim will not be in favor of that. However, on Tashabi Ab itself, then everybody agrees. Learning Torah on Tashabi Ab itself is forbidden. And it's forbidden for two reasons. It's forbidden because the Pasuk says in Tehillim, Perekutet, Pikude Adonai Yesharim Mesemhe Lim. The commandments of Hashem are straight, they make one's heart happy. We, anybody who knows, who learns Gemara, who learns. Real Torah understands even regular speeches you hear, you get an inspiration, you get this happiness, you feel good when you learn Torah. So therefore, you cannot learn Torah because it's happy. Oh, if you learn sad Torah, that's mutar. Like the examples that we gave. Sefi Yirmiyah that talks about the Beit HaMikdash. Or Iyob that talks about all the tragedies that Iyob went through. And like we said, the Midrashim and the stories about the Hurman. All that's mutar. Even though it's Torah, but... After you learn such Torah, you feel like, uh, you know, you're learning sometimes even Masechet Aholo, talking about dead bodies here and there. That maybe could be also mutar because it's very depressing. The second reason why Torah learning is Asura on Tisha B'Av is because it will take a person's mind off the theme of the day. The theme of the day is to remember the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, that Hashem is homeless, the tragedies that have befallen the Jewish people throughout history and as we live through it now, and to try to somehow also figure out what we could do to better the situation. Personally, you have to worry about changing the whole world. Let the Gidolei Hador take care of that. You, personally, what could you do for yourself to be able to change the situation? More Ahabat Hinnam, more Talmud Torah, less Lashon Hara. That's what the day is made for. If you study even Torah that will take your mind off of this morning, of this morning, of what you're supposed to think about, then it's not, you've defeated the purpose of the day. And therefore, for this reason also, we don't learn Torah on Tisha B'Av. What is forbidden? Everything that has nothing to do with the fast. That includes your regular Dafyo Migemara, the Hokle Israel, your regular Tehlim, your daily Tehlim that you read. All that is forbidden. However, any Torah that is part of the daily prayers is mutar. For example, we read Korbanot in the morning before. We read the Hallelujahs. We read. We certainly read Shema. And uh, all the Mizmaret Tehillim that are found, that are scattered throughout the Tefillah. All that is mutar. Why? Because it's part of the daily prayer. 
That's why it's mutar. But your daily learning should be avoided. Although there are some poskim that some people have such a minhag. If you don't have such a minhag, or if you're Sfaradi, the halakha is as we said it. We do not learn Torah that is happy on Tisha B'Av. The only exception is the permitted things are sad materials. Gemarot, even halakha that pertains to Avilut, not necessarily Tisha B'Av. You can learn the laws of Avilut if you like, but you got to keep in mind, whatever you do learn, you should not learn bi'ayun. You should not learn it in depth. Because when you learn something in depth, that also gives you a certain level of happiness. Also, another book that may not be part of the Torah library, but you definitely find in a lot of places, is Sefer Yosifun, Josephus. This book deals with the history of the destruction of Beit HaMikdash. Also, if you look in Rabbi Beryl Wine's history books, he has about three or four big um, textbooks on history. In the green one, that's the first part. Over there, he has a whole few chapters right after the rebellion of the Hasmonaim of how the Beit HaMikdash slowly and truly, unfortunately, came to be destroyed, how Yerushalayim got destroyed. It's a very, very sad part in Jewish history. You can certainly learn about that. Um, exceptions also, if you want to learn other things, Jewish history that has to do also with sad parts, like Holocaust stories, Holocaust books, these are sad uh, parts of Jewish history that one is allowed to learn, as well as, let's say, you know, the Inquisition or things, but you really, again, things that have to do with sadness. Not the, you know, any part, by the way, the poskim bring down, is that any part of a, of a book that you're reading, even learning, that has parts that are very, very sameah or, or the happy parts, you're supposed to skip it. So you know, after many, for example, if you look in the Sefer Nebi'im, after many tokahot, after many bad parts in uh, what they speak about, didn't they speak about nehama, consolence? You're supposed to skip that. Likewise, if you know a book and you talk about something bad, but the end is going to be a happy ending. He survives the war and wow, he builds his family. You cannot learn that. You cannot skip those parts on Tisha Be'av. It goes as a Kalva Homer now that one cannot read newspapers novels or books, right? Because all that will take your mind off. Although they might not be happy, it is a little depressing to hear what's going on in the news sometimes, but still, they're going to take away your mind from the, from the day. You're not going to think about the morning of the day. By the way, that includes all websites, even Yeshiva World, even versus Noise. I don't know, I want to go sit there, about every single website out there. Even from websites that deal with the news, you don't, you should not read it on Tisha You should not look at it even on Tisha Av because it will take away your mind. Likewise, if a person is going to go and stroll and take a nice walk on Tisha Av, it's forbidden because it takes away your mind. I don't have to say a Kalva Homer that one may not watch movies or or, or TV shows. That's a sutra the whole um, you know, year, <laughs> not necessarily on Tisha B'Av. Again, the point is anything that takes away your mind from the day a person should not or cannot do it on Tisha B'Av. You should know there are many, many shuls and many websites that do offer special programs for Tisha B'Av. I believe J Radio will. We have an hour show. We have not a full day, but um, a majority of the day, we have videos of different classes on Tisha B'Av where we discuss things that have to do either with Tisha B'Av or the things that we could fix that we should not have another Tisha B'Av. So look out for those, that's mutar. One last point before we move on to the five Anuim, the five things are forbidden on Tisha B'Av, and that is writing Hiddushet Torah. Anybody who has written or has come up with an 
a new insight in Torah knows the f- happy feeling that person gets when he, when he comes up with something new that he never heard before, when he figures out something. So to write it down is a big, big excitement. It's a very, very big simha. It's a big happiness for a person. So therefore, Poskim bring down that person who's learning cannot learn Ba'ayun because you might be Mahadeh Surah and that's going to be, you're going to be happy. If an idea comes to you, even by just glancing at some material, all of a sudden an idea pops in your head. So then the way to go about it is as follows. If the Hiddush, if this new idea is in a subject that's not related to Shabi'ah, you cannot write it down. But if it is on Shabi'ah, for example, you're reading a Midrash and you understood the Midrash in a certain way and you want to write it down that you shouldn't forget it. So in that case, we find a Mahlokit. Guess what? Some say Muta, some say Asur. The Pesketu world brings the name of Sidi that there's a compromise. What you could do is, you cannot write the full idea down, but you could write just a few words to remind you of the idea so that after the Shabbat, we come back and write it in full. With that, we move on now to the five things that are forbidden on Tisha B'Av. And these five things, Rabotai, are forbidden. Whether Tisha B'Av is in the middle of the week or whether it's on Shabbat and pushed over to Sunday. Even what we call Ta'anit that's Nidha, like this year, that's pushed away, it would still be applicable. These halakha would still be applicable. And now let's get to who's obligated to eat, who's obligated to fast, and who's not obligated and who's not allowed to fast. That is the subject, the question of the week of the day. Let's begin. Who must fast? In general, that means to say, whenever Tisha B'Av falls out in the middle of the week, every person above the age of Bar or Bat Mitzvah must fast. The exceptions are as follows. Four, three and possibly four exceptions. Anybody who is a hole, a sick person, a sick person doesn't mean just a headache, but a sick person is a person who has to be in bed. Not only because you're so weak, you haven't eaten, and therefore you feel hungry, yet you have to lie down because you're just hungry. No, sick people, who, like say, they have a high fever, they, they're on antibiotics. Those are people that have to eat, or if a doctor told them to eat, high blood pressure, etc. Those people are patur from fasting, even throughout the, every single Tisha B'Av. Also, pregnant women who have a difficulty with their pregnancy and the doctor tells them you have to eat, this is throughout the whole year. This is, excuse me, when Tisha B'Av falls out in the middle of the week. And also if there's a concern for the baby, those are also, the pregnant women, they have to eat. If they don't eat, there's a, there's a sakana for the baby. Also, they don't have to fast. A woman after childbirth, there's like three categories. Category number one is... The first three days. The first three days, she absolutely cannot fast. From three to seven, we don't recommend that she should fast. She should not fast. If she wants to do it on her own, she's insistent. Uh, you can't really stop her. But she shouldn't fast. From between seven to 30 days, really, she does not have to. She should try, though, to fast because there are a lot of... Because uh, a lot, some, not a lot, but the Ramah brings down that she should try. But in general, she's patur unless she decides otherwise. You don't tell the woman in the first month of childbirth, that you should fast. No, she doesn't. You, you tell her you don't have to. If she decides on her own to fast, she could fast. After 30 days, really, even if, even if she's still nursing, she give, has given birth after 30 days. If she's not nursing, she's hayab to fast. But if she is nursing, she's also obligated to fast unless, unless there's a special exception that if she would fast, it would be problem, it would create problems for the baby. For example, the baby 
cannot take bottles. He can only nurse from his mother, and mother does not eat. She cannot nurse him. Then she could eat, but otherwise, on a regular year, when the Tishai Bab is another week, a woman, after 30 days of childbirth, even if she's nursing, she's obligated to fast since she could give him bottles. This year, with the Shabbat falling out on Shabbat and being Nidha, pushed away to Sunday, we find a little bit of a difference. And what's the difference? The difference is as follows. Shohana Ruch does not discuss pregnant women or nursing women on Tishabab that is pushed off to Sunday, from Shabbat to Sunday. He doesn't talk about it. What we do find in Shulchan Aruch, in Zeman Tafkuf Nuntet, Saif Tet, is that he discusses the Ba'alei Berit. Who are the Ba'alei Berit? The Ba'alei Berit are the three, the trio that have that need that are needed to make the Brit Milah go on. The father of the baby, without him there's no baby. The Mohel, that's a person circumcising. And the Sandak, that's a person who sits on the chair and has the baby on his lap while the baby is being circumcised. That's called the Sandak. Nobody else. Anybody else involved in carrying the baby in and out, they are nothing. They have no special thing. These three people, when they have a Brit Milah, whenever they have a Brit Milah, they have like a mini Yom Tov. They have like a private holiday. They celebrate their own private holidays. And there's a halakhot about that. So Hanaruk brings down whenever... Tisha B'Av is pushed to Sunday. Not a regular Tisha B'Av, but when it's pushed over to Sunday, these Ba'alei Brit, the three people that we mentioned, the trio, they are exempt from fasting after Hatzot. After Hatzot, when the Brit Milah is about to take place, or after it takes place, then they can already break their fast. Okay, what about pregnant women? What about pregnant women? What about nursing women? So for that, we have a mahloka between two giant Sfaradim, Poskim. Hakam Obadiah Zatzal and Hakam Ben Sion Zatzal. Let's begin with Hakam Obadiah. Hakam Obadiah says, from the case that Maram brought that the Ba'alei Brit are exempt, the fast when, when the Shabbat is pushed off, you learn about pregnant women. Pregnant women should also be exempt during this on this type of year when the Shabbat is pushed over to Sunday. Why? Kalvahomer. Avahar means it's a logical learning from one to another, meaning like this. Throughout the other three fasts that we fast for the destruction of Hubban Beit Midas, Lemashal, Shabbat Asar Betamuz. Shabbat Asar Betamuz, we find that regular Shabbat Asar Betamuz, whenever, let's say, it falls out on a Monday, the pregnant woman fast, the nursing woman fast, and the answer is Maran says, no, they're exempt. They're only obligated to fast on Yom Kippur and Tashabi Av. Yet, the people who are Ba'alebirit, when it's a regular fast day, they must fast even though they have a Brit Milah. So now, when Tisha B'Av is pushed over to Sunday, Maran writes that they're exempt. So Kava Homer, the pregnant woman who usually don't fast on any other fast, should be also exempt over here. So therefore, Ahmed comes out with that maskana. That's his conclusion. Pregnant woman and nursing woman are exempt to fast when, Shab- when Tisha B'Av falls out on Shabbat. And it's pushed over till Sunday. That's the opinion of Hakam Abdiyah. Hakam Ben Tzion Zatzal and Orle Tzion Halek Gimel disagrees. He says, you can't make such a Kalva Homer. You know why? Because if really Tisha B'Av, which was pushed over from Shabbat to Sunday, is more lenient than the regular, tish, the regular fast, why do we find that there are laws that make, that there are laws when Tisha B'Av is Dahoui that are still stringent, meaning... 
When Tisha B'Av is pushed, we don't find any other leniencies in Halakha. You still cannot wear leather shoes. You still cannot wash even your finger. You still cannot say shalom. All the halachot apply. So you don't see that Tisha B'Av has become any weaker just because it was pushed over to Sunday. So therefore, you can't make such a kavahom. You can't say just like the ladies are patur, the pregnant women are patur from the regular fast, the kavahom will be patur over here. No, because... It's not a kava homer. It's not any more lenient to Shabbat. If anything, it's still hamur. It still has its stringency of the five anuyim. Oh, you want to know why Ba'alei Berit are exempt? It's a special exemption. Like we said, Ba'alei Berit, the people who um, celebrate the Brit Milah, they have a private Yom Tov. A private Yom Tov has the power to push away, the ability to push away the Tishabab when it's pushed over. But not regular not a, uh, not, not a woman who is pregnant who doesn't have a private Yom Tov. Therefore, the maskana of the Orletzion is that pregnant women and nursing women will have to fast even when Tisha B'Av is pushed over from Shabbat to Sunday. Especially, like we said, the Tzitzah Le'ezek quotes the Rashbah who holds that when Tisha B'Av is Nidha, when it's pushed over, it doesn't weaken it. It's just that's the way the Hakabim set it up, that it should be there on Sunday. So it shouldn't be any different from any other Tisha B'Av when it falls out in the middle of the week. So now you're going to ask, okay, so what do we do? So then we go to the third opinion. We find the Bi'ur Halakha and Seven Tafkuf Nintet. On this Halakha, in the name of Akiva Eger, he writes that really, if pregnant women and nursing women are feeling pain, he really talks about pregnant women, if they're feeling pain, then they are exempt, they're patur. And that's really the compromise that we recommend to everybody. A lady who's pregnant or who's actively nursing should start fasting on Tisha B'Av. If she gets to the point that she feels she has to break the fast, then she could break the fast. However, however, if she could break the fast by just drinking water, it's better to just do that. Don't think that just because I'm breaking the fast, I'm drinking water. So now anyway, let me do whatever I want. No, 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 no. Try to break a fast by just drinking water. If you can just get away with drinking water to keep yourself hydrated, that's what's preferable. If you cannot even do that, then you can break the fast. I want to point out something. We all feel weak when we do not eat. Okay? This is... I'm not pregnant, at least I might look it, but I'm not pregnant, okay? And if I don't eat and if I'm fasting, I'll feel very weak. This does not make me all of a sudden exempt because, oh, I'm feeling very tired and weak. I'm exempt from fasting. We all feel weaker when we're fasting. That's the way the body is. We're talking about over here a special pain that it's unbearable. Unbearable, you have to go to the hospital for it, but it's very, very difficult to be able to function even the least bit, then a pregnant woman and a nursing woman will be exempt in such a case if you take this compromise or the words of the Bi'ur Halakha. That's what we're talking about. Now, it's a little bit trickier this year. Remember, it's pushed over from Shabbat to Sunday, which means that really you're going to come into a problems of Havdalah if you're not planning to fast. And we'll discuss it in, as we'll discuss right now. Let's just give you a little bit of a background of Havdalah and how it works out and how it's going to work out if somebody has to break the fast or not break the fast. In general, we make Havdalah on Matzai Shabbat twice. Once in Na'amida, those who pray Arbit, by saying Atahun Antanu in the middle of, of the Barakah of Atahunin. And the second time we make Havdalah 
is on a cup of wine, which is customarily done after the tiflav arbit. The first one that we do in Amidah makes a havdalah between Shabbat and the weekday that allows us now to do melacha. Even though the time has come that Shabbat is over, if I don't say havdalah with words, that means I don't say Baruch HaMavdim Ben Kodesh Lehol, and I've separated between Shabbat and the weekday, I cannot do melacha. I cannot put on the light, I cannot drive a car, I cannot do anything that's forbidden to be done on Shabbat. I must say those words. However, even if I said those words, Baruch the rabbis instituted that we make Abdallah on a cup of wine. This Abdallah on a cup of wine that we know is the famous Abdallah with the candle and the besamim and all these things. This Abdallah allows me now to eat. I may be able to put on fire, therefore I light the Habdalah candle. I may be able to drive and talk on the phone if I said Hamabdil, Baruch Hamabdil, However, so long as I did not say the Habdalah on a cup of wine, the way the Hakimim instituted, then I cannot eat anything but Amuta to drink water. Keep these halakhot in mind. One more point we'd like to point out, and that is throughout the year when we make Habdalah and we make the blessings of Besamim and Boreme Oreha Esh, they are not really so connected to Habdalah, meaning if I don't have them, I can still say Habdalah without them. I have to drive myself nuts and I, have to, I certainly don't have to wait until I get them to make Habdalah. They're not a condition that's needed in order to make Habdalah. Why do we make Besamim? Why do we make the blessing on good fragrance on Motsay Shabbat? The answer is because the Neshama Yetera leaves and we want to make the Regular neshama, sitting neshama with us, feel better. The reason why I make a bracha of Boreme Oreha is because that's when Hashem put the idea in Adam Harishon's head to put on, to create fire. And that's how we make the bracha on Motsa'e Shabbat. Okay, keep those laws in the, in the back of your mind. Let's get to the issues of this year. This year, that Motsa'e Shabbat is Tisha'a'be'av, right? So how are we going to make Havdalah? Well, the first Havdalah, you have no problem. You make Havdalah in the Amidah. But really, you may have to make this Havdalah, Baruch HaMabdim, Mekodesh Lehol, even before the Amidah. Why? Well, you're changing from Tisha Be'av to Shabbat. You're changing from leather shoes to non-leather shoes. So because of such, you have to turn into a weekday mood. And also, you should not wear Big Day Shabbat. You should wear weekday clothing. And therefore... Changing from Shabbat to weekday, you should cha- you should say Baruch Hamdim And especially if you're planning to drive to shul or carry your pillow to shul to sit down on the floor on it. So certainly you're carrying, you're driving, you're doing melachot. You certainly cannot do that unless you say Baruch Hamdim And this is so important. You must say it before you do any melacha. And the ladies who don't go to shul, and I'm... You know, embarrassed to say, but even men who don't go to shul have to be told. If you want to do any melacha motzei Shabbat this year, from Shabbat into Tisha B'Av, you must first say, Baruch HaMabdil B'Kodesh Lehol, to make this Havdalah that allows you to do melacha. Fine. What about eating? What about the Havdalah on wine? You don't have to do that. Why? Because you're not eating. You're fasting, remember? Oh, so since you're fasting, you could only make the Havdalah when the time comes for you to eat. When is that? That's Sunday night. When the Fast is over. When the Shabbat is over, you'll make your Havdalah on Sunday night after Havdalah is over. But because you didn't say Besamim, because it's too late, it's only from Matayi Shabbat. Also, you 
the blessing on the fire, you should have said it on Saturday night. And if you didn't, you missed out. Why should you say Saturday night even if you're not making Abdullah? Because you make the Abdullah just for the fact that Hashem reminded Adam Arishon or, or put the idea in Adam Arishon has had to make fire. That's why it should be said and has nothing to do with the rest of that. It should be said Moshe Shabbat anyway. Even women can make such a beracha unless you are a person who is very makpid and you have a minhag that you don't say uh, as a woman, you don't say then your husband should not say it and she should say it for you in the house. Maybe a good idea for husbands should to say that beracha before they go to shul if it's already, if Shabbat is already over for them. Let's say it for their wives. In any case, on Sunday night, you'll only have to do the shortened havdalah, which is the first beracha on hagefen, on wine, and the last beracha of a mabdim and kodesh lehol. That is the regular havdalah for everybody else. For everybody, excuse me, who is fasting. What about havdalah for those people that are not fasting? So it goes like this. If you're a person who's exempt from fasting, you're sick, your doctor told you, you must eat, you cannot fast. So right away, Motzei Shabbat, you begin... You make Havdalah right away. You don't have to worry about it. You could also make it on wine. So you drank wine on Shabbat, you drank wine also on Motzei Shabbat. That's fine. We make it on Havdalah on wine on a, on a, or grape juice. For Ashkenazim, some Ashkenazim are Mahmir and therefore they'll make it on beer because wine and grape juice is still forbidden until the Shabbat is over. So... You could do that. You could make it on beer. If you're Ashkenazi, you make it on beer. If you cannot drink beer or wine, some people told me that they cannot drink it. Or usually the men drink it or they give it to the kids. In that case, don't give it to the kids. If you cannot drink it, then you could go ahead and break the fast. Just say the habdalah without the beracha on wine. And that's it. You could already eat without the beracha on wine. Why? Because for you, it's over and you cannot, you're like a regular person throughout the year that cannot drink wine and you have to make Abdullah. So you make it without the wine. You don't have wine. You don't have to fast just because of that. If the kids themselves, really, it's brought down really that kids themselves who are not fasting should be trained to make Abdullah for eating. It should be, they should be trained for that. That you discuss with your own poskim. There are poskim this way and poskim that way. I'm not going to get into it. But those who are making Abdullah on what's a Shabbat, you can make it, like we said, even on wine or grape juice if you're Sfaradi. If you're Ashkenazi, make it on beer. Also, you don't make Besamim. You skip out Besamim. Why? There's a mahlokid of why Besamim should be skipped. Some say, because you're not supposed to smell anything good throughout the whole Tasha Be'av. Others say, no, you're not supposed to make Bracham Besamim because Besamim give you pleasure. And it's not good for a person to go ahead and take pleasure on Tasha Be'av, on Matzai Shabbat, even for Havdalah. So therefore, we skip on Besamim. So that you'll end up saying only three berachot. Hagefen, boreme oreha esh, and amabdim ekorish lehol. Also, when you're saying Abdullah on Motzei Shabbat, which is Tashabe Av, don't say any Pesuke beracha. Like, for example, uh, all of these Pesukim skip, jump straight to the berachot. Straight, right away. Hagefen, boreme oreha esh, and amabdim ekorish lehol. Also, it's brought down, if a person who is sick is making Havdalah, the rest of the family who has to fast could technically be Yotze with his Havdalah. Not technically, you should be Yotze because that's the better time. Once somebody is obligated to make Havdalah, 
on Motzei Shabbat, they can make it for the rest of the family and it might even be better. And once they do that, then you don't make a second Havdalah on Sunday night. And in the case where the person who is exempt from fasting cannot make his own Havdalah, as for example, you have an elderly woman, she's not allowed to fast, she, ha- she cannot eat without, without making Havdalah, you can make Havdalah for her and allow her to drink the cup of wine and you could be Yotzei Dehubah also without Havdalah, that you wouldn't have to make Havdalah on Sunday night. Night. This is if a person is going to Tisha B'Av not fasting at all. What about a person who is going to try to fast? Like we said before, and pregnant women and nursing women should try to fast. Once they feel that it's hard, then they're going to break it. So let's say maybe a woman doesn't know. She, she's going to try to fast. She might be able to fast the whole time. She might be able to fast only half a day. She's going to see how it goes. So when the time comes that a woman who is pregnant feels that I have to break the fast, she should make Abdullah then before she breaks the fast. What does she do then? Since probably she's going to be able to hold off until Sunday, the Abdullah on Sunday should only be like the way we'd make Abdullah on Sunday night, which is Hagaven on wine and Hamabdimi Kodesh only. Remember, Boreh should have been said the night before. And if you didn't say it, you lost it. It's over. It's only meant to be said on Matzai Shabbat. What about if the woman cannot drink grape juice or wine on an empty stomach? So we go back again to halachot of Habdalah. If she could use anything else as Haman Medina, like beer or something lighter or whatever, then she should use it. If she cannot, then she can make just regular Habdalah without the beracha on wine or whatever it is on grape juice. If, however, a woman who is pregnant feels that I cannot continue fasting, but I don't have to break it with food. I can only drink water. Remember, water, a person is allowed to drink water before making Abdullah. If you are breaking the fast by just drinking water and not eating anything else, you're not drinking anything else, just water or even water with tea without any sugar, then you do not have to say Abdullah. You should save the Abdullah until Sunday night and you can make it with everybody. Abdullah is only necessary if you're breaking the fast by eating. And therefore, if you're breaking it by just drinking, there is no need for you to make Havdalah. Now that we're talking about people who are breaking the fast, what about if a person has to eat bread or is going to eat bread on Tisha B'Av? So there's a few points that you have to keep in mind. Number one is that if you're eating and you're washing for bread, you wash regular. You don't have to wash only up to your knuckles. You shouldn't only wash your knuckles. You wash all the way up to your wrist. And of course, if you're eating more than two ounces, only then do you make the brachav anitatadayim. Otherwise, there's no brachav anitatadayim. Also, in brachat amazon, there's a mahlok if you should add nahim brachat amazon or not. We go like the Benish Hai, who says that one should add nahim brachat amazon. And if a person forgot, then he does not have to repeat it. What about a person who's fasting, but he has to take medicine? He's not planning to break the fast. He just has to make medicine. And the answer is, you can take medicine, there's no problem swallowing something without chewing it. That's not called eating it. That's not called you breaking the fast. You don't need to make Havdalah. You can take your regular medicine on Tisha B'Av. What about if a person cannot take the medicine unless he takes a little bit of water? So here we have a mahlokit between Hakam Metzion and Hakam Abadia. Hakam Abadia says, okay, so take a little bit of water to be able to swallow the pills. According to Hakam Metzion, make the water very, very bitter. They shouldn't have any enjoyment when you're when it's going into your body. How do you make it bitter? Soak it in, soak a tea bag in a little bit of water that should be very, very bitter. A few tea bags and it'll be very, very bitter. 
and then drink that while you're taking the pill. This way, it makes the pill go down, but you're not enjoying what you're drinking. Then, that's how you can take medicine on Tisha Be'av. You can follow either one, Rabotai. What if you could do by making it bitter, then do that. If you cannot do by making it bitter, then you can take even a little bit of water, even if it's not bitter. And again, you don't have to make Havdalah because you're not really breaking the fast in a way that you would have to make Havdalah. And you can continue to say also, in that case, you can continue to say Anenu in your Tefillah. That is, that is the Halachot. The, uh, these are the halakhot that are pertaining to fasting or not eating on Tisha B'Av. If you have any questions, make sure you text it in or you call in and we'll discuss if it's at the same. The last few minutes that we have, I want to go on now to the other things that are forbidden on Tisha B'Av. Number two is washing. We may not wash ourselves on Tisha B'Av. That includes hot and cold water. But the type of washing that's forbidden on Tisha B'Av is only washing that is for pleasure. Any washing that's not for pleasure is mutar on Tisha B'Av. Okay, let's give you a few examples. The type of washing that's mutar on Tisha B'Av. For example, cleanliness. Okay, something is happening with the phone. Cleanliness. Any washing that's for cleanliness is mutar on Tisha B'Av. What is an example? The example is, let's say a person, a woman, or a man that's changing diapers, and your hands get dirty. You don't have to put on changing diapers, but if your hand gets dirty from changing your diapers, or changing your, not your diapers, but changing your kid's diapers, then it's mutar to wash it, no matter where the dirt is. You could even use soap if it's necessary. Another thing that's mutar is if you're getting rid, rid of ruach ra'ah. And that is by touching, let's say you touch your shoes, you touch the parts of your body where you'll have to wash them, or waking up in the morning. All that also is mutar for a person to wash, but in that case, only wash up to the knuckles. Like when you wake up in the morning, you can do netilatidaim, but only wash up to your knuckles. Don't forget the little guy, that's your thumb, okay? Also there has to be washed up to the knuckles. Another exception is when you're washing for a mitzvah here, when you're washing for a sake of mitzvah, you could wash your full, the full hand. For example, three examples. Kohanim, by us, the Sfaradim, the Kohanim, make brachat Kohanim by Menha. So therefore, the Kohanim could wash their hands fully, all the way up to the wrist. There is a Menhag that the Leviyim assist the Kohanim, they wash their hands for them. And before that, usually the Leviyim do their own netilat and then they wash the, the Kohanim's hands. In such a case... When the Kohanim are having their hands washed by the Levi, the Levi cannot wash his hands all the way to the wrist. He can only wash up to the knuckles. Sick people who are allowed to eat, as we mentioned beforehand, and they're going to wash for bread, they wash all the way up to their wrist. If a person is sick and he has to take a hot bath, that's his medicine, all sorts of for him to wash because he's doing it for refu'ah. In this case, it's not an easy, it's not a light heter, Rabotai. Make sure you consult with the rabbi to see if you qualify for such a heter, for such an exemption. Question, and this is a very uh, big question for this year. What do we do when it comes to washing dishes? Could we wash dishes on Tisha B'Ab? And how? And when? So in general, washing dishes on Tisha B'Ab is only permitted after midday. Like we, given the, we gave the times beforehand. 
midday hatsot and onwards, a person could wash. Why? Not because of the washing, but because of the fast. Meaning to say, your mind has to be focused on the fast. And by you doing a melachat that's going to take a little bit of time, it's going to take your mind away from the fast. And therefore, it's a sur for a person to wash his dishes until after hatsot. Are there exceptions? Yes. The exceptions are when you need something immediately. For example, kids want to eat. You want to wash a plate for them. You're allowed to wash it right away, even if it's before hatsot. But in that case, make sure you can only, you can only wash it with cold water. The Oletzion says if you wear those uh, you know, gloves, those big gloves when you're washing your dishes, it's even better. But other poskis didn't mention it. But certainly it would be better if a person could wear those gloves. But if it's not for that reason... If it's not for immediate use, then washing dishes should be pushed over, pushed off until after Hatzot. Ah, oh, what are you going to do with Shabbat this year? Shabbat makes it a little bit more problematic. We have halakha that when you're done eating, you cannot wash your dishes. You can wash cups because cups can be used throughout the whole day. But when you ate your last meal with the dishes, then you can't wash them anymore. Why? Because it's a problem of hachana. You're preparing for after Shabbat. So you tell me I'm going to have my dishes filthy and the pots all filthy and keep them like this till all the way until midday on Sunday? The answer is really yes. That's the Akkad Hadin. Are there exceptions? There could be. For example, if it's a real problem of bugs that you're really worried that yes, there are going to be bugs and it's going to be all over the place, you can't stand them. So that becomes now that you need it for now. It's not hachana anymore because you need it for now. You could avoid such a problem by putting it in the oven but it, or putting it in the dishwasher and it's out of your sight if you can't see it and bugs won't come there for sure. But if you feel that's going to smell up the house and it's going to be a very big problem. Um, so then in that case, you could, you, you should wait until after hot salt. After hot salt, again, you could wash them. You could wash your dishes with cold water only. Because of a few minutes, I'm going to run. I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm skipping out all the text messages that are coming in. So I'm just going to go straight to the halakhot. We just have a few minutes to finish. If you have any questions, you could call in. I hope the lines are working. Be, uh, you could call in to the radio. We'll, we'll be here, Razat Hashem, to answer all other questions. Anointing is also asur on Tashabe Av, which means applying any creams for pleasure is asur. But any creams or any sprays are there just to remove a smell would be mutar on Tashabah. For example, if a person wants to use deodorant just to get rid of a smell, that's mutar. If you want to use cologne that you should smell good, asur. If you want to use cream for refuah, for healing, it's mutar. If you want to use cream to smell good, asur. That's the basic rule. If you're getting rid of a smell or you're doing it for refuah, it's mutar. If you're doing it for pleasure, it makes you feel better, or it's going to make you smell better, that is forbidden. Leather shoes are forbidden on Tisha B'Av. What is called leather? What's the definition of a leather shoe? Any part of the shoe that has leather that's made for comfort, that disqualifies the shoe from being used on Tisha B'Av. If a person doesn't have, he could only he only has leather shoes. So then you could wear them in the street, and when you get to shul, remove them. Also, if a person has to wear leather shoes, for example, soldiers in Israel. Or not only in Israel, but if you're a soldier anywhere else, and you have to wear leather shoes because where you're going to be, your regular Shabbat shoes will not qualify. So in that case, you could wear them. Children in Deen don't have to wear non-leather shoes, but it's a good idea to train them. 
Last point on the, about leather shoes. Some have a menhag that they don't make the bracha of Sha'asali Kotsorki because they don't wear leather shoes. And this you'll have to check with your local rabbi. Some do say it and some do not say it. Follow what your custom is. Finally, on this halakha, if a person remembers during the nine days now that he doesn't have shoes for Tushabe Av, you could buy them. Even though you're not allowed to buy shoes or clothing during these days, but if it's needed for Tushabe Av, one could buy them. These are the main halakha for Tushabe Av. There are a little bit more, but because we're out of time, we cannot continue. If you have any question or comment, please call in 718-683-5858. We'll be here a little bit more to answer questions. Or you can text in at 347-927-8398. This class will be on again tonight on jrootradio.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week after Tisha B'Av.